We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire and this week presented by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho, going with a little throwback Thursday episode for you. About a year ago, I talked Tin Cup with Chris McNeil, a Cleveland radio personality. You might know him on Twitter as Reflog underscore 18. Reflog is, is golfer backwards. And this past week, I did a bit about the, the three best and three worst sports movie coaches. If you've listened to that, you knew that I, uh, I came for the head of Molly Griswold, Dr. Molly Griswold from Tin Cup, and talked about how bad she is at her job and how much she messed up in that movie. I mean, it's all Roy's fault. It, it is always the athlete's fault, but she was not good at her job. She got way too much praise. And uh, I wanted to to call back on the Tin Cup episode I did last year and this bit about us talking about the end of the movie, which is kind of the crux of Dr. Molly Griswold being bad at her job. So here is a, a little 10-minute clip from that episode. If you enjoyed it, it is, it is on the feed. Most episodes are evergreen. And we will be back next Monday with a debate on is for love of the game good. It, uh, it gets heated. Here's me and Chris McNeil talking the end of Tin Cup. You mentioned you mentioned the ending. I think it's time to talk about that final scene, the final shot. 11. Now this is a 12 guy. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritais and renting golf carts the rest of his life. Look at this. It, I, I don't know, even know what I'm feeling right. This is the most painful thing I've ever seen. You know what's crazy, Jimmy? If he doesn't finish the hole with this ball, he can't turn in a card. He's disqualified. <laughs> oh my god oh dear lord please oh dear lord so to Ruin set it the up entire Roy's, movie for me. go ahead Roy set it up. is uh 
240 out, which is funny because right now, now that's nothing. If if it was yeah. Rory McIlroy, he you know he's that's nothing for him. That's an easy shot. Four iron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so hit me with it. What are your thoughts? Final scene. Roy is uh, Roy could go go win the U.S. Open or go you know work for a tie in a playoff. What are your thoughts on the final scene? Yeah. So if he pars the hole, then he's going to go in the playoff. If he birdies the hole, he wins the whole dang thing. And, you know, his decision to hit the ball, I didn't have a problem with because that's completely in character. I get it, right? So, uh, you know, David lays up and does the right thing. He knows exactly what he needs to do to win this thing. And he decides that he's still going to go for the green. I'm fine with that. I, I actually am. That's something that I could see somebody being a maverick uh, who really wants, you know, they want to keep that aspect of his his personality in there. So that's fine that he goes for it. But once he hits it in the water, you've got to drop the ball. It's just going to drive me nuts for the end of time that he did not drop after that, especially especially since that ball crossed the hazard, hit on the green, then went back into the hazard, meaning he could drop on that side. And essentially there, he's hit one to there. He hits two into the water. He's dropping three. He's hitting four. He could chip in and win the U.S. Open. He could chip that bad boy in. And I guess maybe that's not artsy enough for people. And maybe that's the way I would have written the end of that movie. He's still, he's making the right play. He still went and had the Maverick moment. And then at the end, he chips it in, wins the damn thing. Everybody's happy. But no, no, he hits it in the water. And rather than drop in there or dropping back from the hazard at any point, maybe he hits a wedge really well. Maybe he wants to drop it 100 yards. Maybe he wants to drop it 120. He could do, he has so many options there. He decides he wants to hit it once again from 240 yards again and again and again and again. And then, of course, he holes it out. And when he does, he captures the hearts and minds of just millions, I guess. But not me. I was sitting there in the movie theater just completely upset. It was like 16-year-old me or whatever I was at that age who knew the game of golf, knew how big the four majors are, and in particular the U.S. Open, and to watch him just piss it away by taking a 12 on that hole when all he had to do was par. And for him and how he was playing, a birdie was very easily reachable if he would have just dropped that damn ball and then chipped it from there. And I don't know why he did it. It ruined the movie for me. And it's unfortunate because there's a whole lot of that movie that I liked more than than didn't like. And that just ruined it there at the end. I don't even like him going for it. And here's why. Because it cements that his character learned absolutely nothing yes. over the course of the movie. He did not absolutely. grow yep. did not grow as a human. Because what they could have come back on was he he's missed that shot three days in a row. But they show it on Friday when he sets the record round. He goes in the water. But what does he do? He's in the drop zone. He chips onto the green and he one putts. And so if he would have laid up, done the same thing, he birdies. He wins the U.S. Open. It would have shown the character growing and listening. And it would, you know, it would have been in a real character turn and a real moment of growth and shown that, that Molly was actually a good influence. And instead, it just he doesn't learn anything. He just tanks the U.S. Open. He costs himself hundreds of thousands of dollars. And his character is still arrogant and everything. And I hate at the end, my, the line I hate the most is Molly saying, in five years, no one will remember the Open, but they'll remember that shot. 
No, they'll remember who won the Open because being a major winner is one of the the things they cannot take away from you in golf. Shout out Mike Weir who won the Masters. Martin Keimer won the, I think he won the U.S. Open. It's just, if you're a major winner, it is life-changing and you are a major winner. No one is going to care about that that knock-in for 12 except when they're showing biggest blunders in sports history. So it just shows that he didn't, you know, get any humility in this movie. He's just still the same guy at the end of the movie, which is really frustrating because you'd like to think that getting this mental work with with Molly was good for him and, and getting to where he was. But no, he's just the same fucking dude. Isn't that the funny part? Like, that was the whole the whole the whole reason we went on this journey was he was with Molly and Molly was giving him all this mental help and he was really helping him grow as a human. And ultimately it was like Seinfeld. You know, the famous thing about Seinfeld is none of the characters ever grew. And that was intentional on their part. And in this movie, I thought it was intentional to show his growth, but ultimately they didn't. And what, and if they really would have wanted to show his growth, you still want to show he's a maverick, then have him hit that shot. I, I disagree with you on this. I still have him hit that shot, but then I have him look back in the crowd and look back in the crowd and look at his crew, his motley ass crew of people that he's got there that all would be helped immensely by the money that he's about to get, by where he could bring them if he wants to share it with them and really build an organization around what he could do on the golf course. You know, all of a sudden you've got a caddy, right? You've got a caddy, Cheech's character there, Romeo, who's making some money. You know, then the the strip club owner, she's got some money there. And all those other guys are running security for him. They're They're handling sponsorships. He's got an agent. All of these guys have roles. They've got money and they're all being built a better life. It's not just Roy being Roy. That's truly growth to me. And that never happens. That group never did. And I don't think at the end of this movie, he's thinking in those terms at all. He's still thinking about himself and maybe Molly, though I don't even think that's very clear. So I think that would have been a way that you could probably do both, where he still wins the U.S. Open, he's still a maverick, and he still shows that growth where he's now responsible for other people. He recognizes that rather than being just this bum at a driving range, that he could be leading a bunch of people who can make better lives for themselves. Exactly. And I'm not someone who's in the camp of I always want the the team to win at the end of the sports movie or, you know, something like that. But I think this movie would and, I, you know, I, I guess this goes into the question of, you know, how we would improve the movie. We do it in different ways, but we'd have him win the U.S. Open and show that growth, like growth. Like I would have loved a call back to Romeo saying, hey, on Friday, you, you yeah. know, you hit it out of the, the drop zone. You could lay up to right there. And I think that, you know, that's your best chance to birdie. That's how you birdie. You're not playing for par. You're playing for a birdie right there. That's your best chance. I would have loved to have seen that growth. And we didn't get it. We got robbed of it, which we is did. a really unfortunate way for this movie to end. I, I wanted to see that. And then I wanted to see David be more of a character that I didn't like. Because like I said, there's a case to be made for David actually being a positive influence in Roy's life entirely as being the one guy who's not enabling everything that he's doing. And I I really needed him to be a batter guy and somebody you really want to beat. Then once he does that, 
Then he goes on to win the U.S. Open to beat him, and you have that really good release at the end of the movie, and that just didn't happen. And, and like I said, I think that part of the movie was probably made for artsy folks who who aren't necessarily into golf, don't really know what the U.S. Open's all about, and really how that relates to golf and to golf fans and how big of a deal it was because you got to have that kind of an ending to complete this movie. I'm, I'm with you. You don't always have to win at the end, but in this case, he had to win the U.S. Open. And that's it for today's Throwback Thursday. If you enjoyed this clip, go back, check out the entire episode talking Tin Cup with Chris McNeil. Uh, We will be back at you again on Monday talking is for love of the game good with the Pandemic Baseball Book Club. And we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.